Hey there, before we get started, I always forget to say this. Would you please go and take a moment and rate and review the podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast. It's super helpful, it helps people find the show, and it also gives me good feedback on how I can be making the show better, or how I can continue to be awesome. That was uncomfortable for me to say. Okay, thanks for doing that. All right, now we'll get started. Here we go. Welcome to Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. We, we hope, hope you enjoy, enjoy the show. <laughs> thank you, even Lucy. I love it when they do that. Uh, and thank you for coming back week four of Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. That's me. It's very nice to meet you. Thank you for being here on this show where we are going to find ways to traverse this life together. Some will be random and small. Some will be big and brave. And we will probably certainly fail because we are not perfect, but we will together just do our very best. I'm glad you're here. I wanted to share with you a few quick things. Usually I go over the whole format of the show. We're done doing that now. You can just follow along. There are going to be three different segments. Uh, But I wanted to just say first, this is a live show. So we're just going to go for it. This is one take. You're going to hear me fumble. You're going to hear a little music fade in and out. I'm running that all with my right hand here. It's just, it's all live. I do that very much on purpose. Uh, I I do that because I want to kind of pull down the veil between the two of us and make this as honest and together as I possibly can. So uh, I ask your forgiveness, but I also hope you appreciate uh, the format. The second thing is today's show in particular, I'm going to place a little bit of a, I guess, trigger warning on it. I don't know. Maybe that's too heavy a word, but I'm going to be talking about self-harm today. Uh, So if this is a particular trigger for you or you have small friends who are listening, I actually don't think this is a kid show at all. No, definitely not. But if you by chance it just came on in the car, uh, this would not be the show. And I totally understand uh, if you want to skip this week and go to next week. Totally get it. Just wanted to let you know that. With that, let's get into our thoughts from this week's newsletter. Issue 4, September 22nd, 2022. Headline, The One Who Laughs. I've known for a long time that I was going to write about my friend Isaac. And while most of you are probably like, great, get on with it, man. Some of you know that considering Isaac takes special attention. And in total fourth-wall-breaking transparency, I've fought with this issue of doing the best we can for many months. Writing, deleting, writing, moving to a new topic, coming back, trying something really artsy, deleting that forever, and on and on. So what I'm offering you today is actually two vignettes from those writings, and then a closing thought. For some reason, this form works for me this week. I hope you agree. My first interaction with Isaac was in seminary. I sat next to a man in class who I noticed didn't have anything with him. Like, he had absolutely nothing. No computer, nothing to write on or with, no bag. Just an above-averagely handsome dad (laughs) in standard-issue French blue dress shirt with gray slacks. I sat next to him and said, Hey, did you bring the two papers we had to complete and turn in today? He looked at me with a face that communicated in an instant pure, authentic nothing. 
I can help, I said. I'll print out copies for you in the library. I'm Eddie. It's nice to meet you. He replied, still a touch blank. Oh man, I should have really done that. Wow, okay, thanks man. I'm Isaac. I then got him the papers and a pen and proceeded to focus on the lecture. In the time the professor spent giving her opening remarks, I noticed that Isaac was finishing the homework with no reference material. Mind you, I'd spent an evening poring over some horrifically dense textbooks trying to finish the assignment. Yet Isaac did it in 10 minutes from the top of the dome, and it was correct. Plus, while he was doing the work, he interjected an effortless Socratic comment into the lecture, which he was also totally tracking with. As it turns out, I wasn't with some flaky student who needed a buddy. I was with, quite likely, the only genius I've ever met. For the many years of our friendship, I marveled at that genius, his ability to remember whole paragraphs of a book he'd read over a weekend and was, and part of my lack of sophistication here, it was freaking nuts that he was able to do that. The ease with which he could synthesize the likes of Milton, Chester, uh, Chesterton, and Wu-Tang into his ever-expanding body of knowledge inspired and amazed those in his proximity. I am not the guy with that kind of brain, but getting to be the guy who could print out the homework and watch the beautiful mind at work well, that was just a special honor for me. Here's the story of the best laugh I've ever gotten. And trust me, what sounds like an arrogant setup will end in your pity. I was tapped to MC a fundraiser. Sitting at the front and center table was Isaac. He was in a prime location for witnessing the carnage of me interviewing fancy people and leading an auction. Earlier in the week, when I was given direction about this auction, I knew I was going to tank. Something about excitedly begging people to raise the bid by $10 to win a 5% off pottery painting experience just felt deeply wonky to me. I tried my best to engage and be funny, but flop sweat betrayed any illusion of comfort. The final big ticket item was a catered dinner by a famous local barbecue chef. As I was vamping to give people time to prepare their bid, I began to, as Isaac would remind me with great frequency, do, quote, the absolute best thing I've ever seen happen on a stage. <laughs> he loved through sarcasm. I was trying to be funny about what it would be like having barbecue with a famous chef. And then I heard these words in the air, clearly said by me, but void of my consciousness. I said, I mean, can you imagine? You're just there and famous chef is pouring barbecue sauce all over your body. It's a dream. <laughs> and then I said, in a church, in front of the famous barbecue chef. By the way, did I mention I was in a church and the chef was there? I said, oh God, what the hell am I saying? Okay, let's bid. Isaac blew water out of his mouth and nose and began to choke slash laugh. He could have jumped on stage and saved me. But like a true brother, he delighted as I died on the vine. The more I withered, the more joy encompassed him. He was so happy. And in return, I got my first real spit take. The barbecue party was auctioned off for a modest sum. <laughs> and the famous chef didn't speak to me afterwards. My life with Isaac is a series of stories like these. He was my first call on my darkest day. 
He knew Eve's and Lucy's names before anyone else. He made me love Steinbeck. He showed me what deep delight in your kids looks like. He sang loudly, despite what his voice sounded like. He was my friend. But still, I wonder. Did I like his genius so much that I ignored some measure of codependency on my part? Did I make him laugh to cover truths that weren't at all funny? A decade later, I thought I'd be farther along in answering those questions. I didn't think I'd still feel such guilt. And I didn't think it would take so much work to write about the beauty of a person without focusing solely on the end of his life. But I suppose that's the reality of this kind of loss. The only resolution is that there will be no resolution. Time will march on, and the person you love will forever be locked in that season. A season that is both tragic and beautiful, if you're able to peek through the end and remember the life that preceded it. I would give anything to tell Isaac he wasn't a burden, and we would gladly take a broken version over an absent one. Short of that, I'll settle on gratitude that I got to be his friend and hope that he knows that what he did with his life mattered a great deal. Okay, well, we get to continue with our show uh, with the portion that I have affectionately come to call the free skate, where we get to just kind of talk about whatever we want. And given the topic today, uh, Katie Mumper from To Write Love on Her Arms, she is the director of communications, has kindly agreed to join us and to share a little bit about To Write Love on Her Arms. Katie, hello. Are you listening hello. to me do the intro? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. I've never done the intro in front of anyone, and it was kind of weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, uh, okay. So first of all, you and I have the same job at different organizations. Um, how How's it going? Because I know you're in the middle of a really busy month. Um, it is going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. is the sound of a director of communications deep yes. in the middle of the busiest month. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Then let's get to the questions and let you get back to work because <laughs> you've got to go. Um, okay. So you are not a burden is mm -hmm. everywhere right now. If you go to, um, to write love on our arms, well, it's T-W-L-O-H-A.com, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I'll put all of this Toloha in the... I know. is how we pronounce that because it's shorter than saying to write love on her arms to aloha oh i'll Tualoha. i'll never yeah. not say that um but also <laughs> links everyone are in the show notes so you don't have to be furiously writing but it's all in the show notes um but you are not a burden is is sort of the 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 campaign name i guess for for mm -hmm. this september can you can you just dive into that a little bit and tell me the the thought behind that sure yeah uh, so uh september is suicide prevention month and Every year for this is our 11th campaign, um, we choose a statement to focus on for the month, some sort of reminder for people who may be struggling with or experiencing thoughts of suicide um, and a message of hope that other people can share as a way of um, mm. providing support and helping people in their lives who may be having those experiences. Um, so you are not a burden. Um, actually showed up on another shirt earlier this year. Um, we got connected with Skull Candy 
a couple of years ago. <laughs> and through them, they connected us with Desiree Melancone. Oh, cool. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing yeah, her yeah, last yeah. name correctly. Uh, but she created a design for us and also for Skull Candy that went on some headphones. Um, we put it on in a shirt and added the phrase, you are not a burden, which was part of the thought process for her behind that design. And so when we started sharing that, someone on social media commented and said, this would be a great phrase for your suicide prevention campaign. And so um, every year we have a group of folks on our team who get together and discuss possible statement options. And that was on the list and very quickly went to the top and stayed there. Um, just really this idea of wanting to disrupt that thought process, um, which is very much a part of suicide ideation. Um, like experts <laughs> actually talk about it, um, that this idea of isolation and the idea of feeling like a burden are kind of the two main prongs of the thought process there that can eventually lead to um, suicidal behavior and actually moving towards acting on that. Um, so the thought is if we can disrupt that thought and help people know you are not a burden, then perhaps we can keep them alive. Yeah. And the disrupting of that thought is really the, like at the core of what this is, right? Because people, yeah. I mean, one of the big things, one of the big initiatives is you all sell a lot of clothing that people yeah. are wearing and they want to wear. Tell me the, tell me why. Cause I, well, yeah. Tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, Charlotte Love on Our Arms started with a story that then led to a t-shirt to help fund treatment for the person that the story was about. <laughs> um, and then from there, it's kind of grown into this movement. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're now a nonprofit organization and um, the merchandise still exists with both the name of our organization, but other statements that are a way of sharing hope. Our mission statement says that we exist to share hope. Um, and that's one way that we do that is giving people things to where they can, that they can wear in their community to help share those messages of hope with folks. Um, I get stopped all the time <laughs> when I'm wearing shirts out in the real world. And um, it just, it's a conversation starter. Um, we've been hearing that with this one in particular, with the suicide prevention pack for this year's campaign, um, that even more so, I think, than people have experienced in the past, that they've had a lot of people who kind of stop in their tracks and say, oh, yeah. 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 And it and it interrupts that thought, right? Like either yeah. the person wearing it needs to be reminded yep. of that message. And I guess we all do it just yeah. to some regard. And then the people seeing it. But either way, it's just a, it's an interruption of thought that allows you to to consider that. And, and we'll say, like, people should know, like right now you can go to the, the website and and buy this and wear this Correct. and and yeah. would encourage you to um it's not only really thoughtful but it's helpful and it's extremely beautiful um yeah. okay so um i, I know like uh, well 
<laughs> can you can you hear me ramping up to not knowing how to ask the question? Yeah. Um, okay, so I shared with you kind of the the writing that I did on Isaac, and I did not. Mm -hmm. I I know that a lot of people probably bring you on board to, to counsel them, and I this is not that. Mm -hmm. um, but I am aware of the fact that like I just shared uh, you know a story and some thoughts about him, and I'm realizing that a lot of people here will be confronted with someone we love who is considering self-harm, or we may even have been or are considering uh, that ourselves. Just from a very basic, like what would you offer us as a first step for caring for that person? Like how, what, what should we, what should we know? Yeah. Uh, the first step is to be present. Um, especially yeah. if they come to you and share what they're struggling, that is a very obvious uh, sign that they trust you. Um, we, um, so we have two podcast episodes um, on our podcast <laughs> for this campaign. The first one um, came out uh, September 6th and um, someone with lived experience is sharing what it looks like, what to say and what not to say um, when someone comes to you and shares that. Um, or even if you notice the things and initiate the conversation. Um, and one of the things that Dana said was, you're, uh, you're not responsible for saving their life <laughs> in that moment, um, but you are responsible to be present, to show up, um, to let them know that you are there. Yeah, that's um, the line. And yeah, yeah. to give them space to talk about it, to not have... Um, any kind of judgment involved, which I think is a huge part of why a lot of people don't talk about it <laughs> um, because they even feel like, you know, the, you are not a burden also applies to the having the conversation, reaching out for help. Um, you aren't a burden if you need that help and you aren't a burden for needing to talk about it. Um, it may be hard and heavy, um, to have that conversation with somebody, uh, but you're worth it. And that's an important thing to remember. Um, and so as the person who is listening to someone share those thoughts, um, that's an important thing to remember in that moment as well, um, is that you're not ultimately, you're not a mental health professional and you're not required to be in that moment. Um, but you're required to be another person who can sit and listen, who can say, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> uh, life is hard. Um, we can't necessarily fix everything or fix the situation, but we can figure out ways to handle it, um, ways to make sure that you have the tools to process whatever pain you're experiencing, um, all of those sorts of things. Um, so that looks like listening, um, responding with as much compassion as you can, and then hopefully at some point moving them towards getting help. Um, so we actually um, do a training called QPR, which stands for um, question, persuade, and refer. Um, and I won't go into it. That's not, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, not yeah, my yeah, role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is a good format for people to be able to be aware of to ha um, how to have those conversations. Um, and they might not, all three of those things might not happen 
in a single conversation. It can happen over time um, as you either initiate with somebody who maybe seems like that they are struggling um, or have someone come to you and share what they might be experiencing. Katie, thank you for that. That was Mm -hmm. extremely helpful. And I know you're not saying this to pitch, but like also, like if you forget what Katie said and it's a month from now and you remember, just go to their website. Like it is designed to to be like help, like on the top right hand side of the page. It's like, here's what you can do. Here's, here's ways to help if you need help. So, um, just, this is why I'm such a fan of, uh, Twiloha, as you would say, um, (laughs) in the article I shared, uh, a little bit. And again, you don't have to counsel me, but that, um, even 10 years out from the loss of a dear friend that I am still deep in processing of what it means. And part of that may reveal more about me, right? That I that I haven't done the work, but also, um, I, what, what do you know about this kind of loss that you have heard echoed back to you, um, about what so many of it ex- have experienced and sort of the, the long-term effects of it? Yeah. Um, I mean, grief in general is kind of a weird thing. <laughs> um, it shows up in any way that it wants to, whenever it wants to. And, um, you know, so that's true for any loss. Um, and then with suicide, there's the addition of a whole lot of questions, um, particularly of the what if, uh, style. (laughs) Um, and so, um, again, they show up for whatever, whatever reason, whenever, uh, 10 years down the road right away. Um, and also I think in general, um, particularly in the United States, uh, processing grief is not something we do well. <laughs> um, so I think that's not totally on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, and it's losing someone to assist to suicide is kind of a unique grief, especially because of all of those questions that come along with it. Um, so, one of the things that we very much encourage people to do is to find community um, for processing that grief, um, whether it's with other people who knew this person in particular, um, or uh, our friends at American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, or AFSP. Uh, their website is afsp.org. Um, and they have resources specifically for people who have lost someone to suicide. Um, and that includes a list of support groups that exist in various places. Um, they also host walks. Um, I don't even know how many of them they do over the, the course of a year um, across the country. Um, and then there's Survivors of Suicide Lost Day. Um, which is the Saturday before Thanksgiving in the United States. Um, and so those are just opportunities to connect with other people who understand this form of grief and the pain that comes with that and all of the questions and all of those things. Um, so we like to say at to Right Love that people need other people. Um, and this is a, a, a space where that is very true. Yeah, thank you for that. And um, I'll put links to everything that you just said in the in the notes. But um, 
last thing. So I, I want people to be able to uh, support to write love on our arms because the work that you all are doing is critical. So one, obviously, buy t-shirts, all those things. Um, second, we've set up a fundraising page. You guys are doing some like very specific fundraising around uh, this September and the You Are Not a Burden uh, campaign and time that's now. So I set up a fundraising page for the podcast audience. Um, can you, can you just tell me really quickly, like, uh, when they give to, to write love on our arms, what, what, what do you do with that giving and how, how does it help? Yeah. So specifically for this campaign, um, all of the money is going directly into treatment and recovery. So, Part of what we understand about suicide is that about 90% of people who die by suicide had a diagnosable and potentially treatable mental health um, diagnosis. Um, and so because of that, getting people access to mental health care is a huge part of suicide prevention. Um, so we have a treatment and recovery scholarship fund that we use to help provide counseling and group therapy um, to folks who can't afford it. Um, so all of the money from this campaign is going directly into that fund to help, um, help us help more people. Uh, in that way. So, well, we will, we will certainly give to that. Um, Katie, you have to go. You didn't tell me you have to go, but you have to go. <laughs> I, I know what your life is like. I know what your day is like. You got to go. Thank you for uh, spending a little bit of time with us. And thank you for so eloquently and thoughtfully walking us through uh, the work of Twiloha. I appreciate it. I always enjoy having an opportunity to talk about it. So it's slightly different than the rest of my job where I'm mostly just writing things. Well, it was good to, good to chat with you, Katie. Thank you so much. And of course, thank you for being here this week. Going to wrap things up now. Uh, really appreciate Katie and the work that To Write Love on Her Arms is doing. I hope that you will go and support them either through buying their shirts or giving to the fundraiser. Um, and just really grateful for her advice. Also, thank you to Uncle Jimmy, as always, for editing the newsletter. If you have any feedback, feel free to drop me a line. Go to, back, go to the feedback section at eddiecoffolds.com. I am already hard at work on next week's and look forward to chatting with you soon on the next Doing the Best We Can. 